So this semester here at Vespers, we are walking through a series called Good Company, and we're talking about how to be in healthy relationships and how um, the Bible calls us to be in different types of relationships because our number one call as Christians, as followers of Christ, is to love God and love people. So it's really important that we think intentionally about how we are treating the people in our lives and the people that we encounter. So um, last week, we had Dr. Wynn, who is a New Testament professor at UMHB, come and teach on 1 Corinthians 5. And he did an incredible job uh, talking about this text that is talking about how to hold our brothers and sisters in Christ, those inside of the church, accountable. And there's this high level account of, of accountability in these type of relationships. Um, he talked about how it's not loving to someone to just brush their sin under the rug. To someone who is a brother or sister who's in your Christian community, it's not loving to just brush their sin under the rug. Um, and it's also harmful to the church as a whole if we let sin um, just be brushed under the rug. So if you missed that sermon, I'd really encourage you to go back and listen to it. You can listen to it on our app, um, the Church Center app, or it's actually on Spotify too. Fun fact, if you didn't know. So go listen to that. Um, but we're, tonight we're going to talk about something else he pointed out in the text very briefly, but we're going to spend our time there tonight. So let's quickly go back to 1 Corinthians 5 and look at that. 1 Corinthians 5, starting in verse 9. We'll also be up on the screen for you to follow along. Also, if you don't have a Bible of your own, we have some extra back in front of the sound booth that you're welcome to grab and take home with you. So it says, I wrote you in my letter not to associate with immoral people. I did not at all mean with the immoral people of this world or with the covetous or swindlers or with idolaters, for then you would have to go out of the world. But actually, I wrote to you not to associate with any so-called brother if he is an immoral person or covetous or an idolater or viler or drunkard or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Do you not judge those who are within the church, but those who are outside God judges? Remove the wicked man from among yourselves. Okay, so there's a lot here, and if you missed last week, again, go back and listen to it, because we're not going to unpack all this is saying, but what we do, what is pointed out here is that there is a difference in treating those inside of the church who are living in sin and outside of the church. We are called to hold people accountable and to healthily judge those inside of the church, but outside of the church, Paul's not saying not to associate with those people. We are actually called as followers of Christ to be in relationship with people outside of the church because we're called to go out and make disciples. So Paul is saying here, don't, don't not be in the world, right? We're called to be in the world but not of the world, so we need to have relationships with people outside of the church. Um, so that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. So we're going to look at some stories um, of Jesus and how he encounters different types of people. So our first story is going to be in Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 27. Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 27. It says, after that he... After that, he went out and noticed a tax collector named Levi sitting in the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he left everything behind, got up, 
and began to follow him. And Levi gave a big reception for him in his house. And there was a great crowd of tax collectors and other people who were reclining at the table with them. The Pharisees and their scribes began grumbling at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with the tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered and said to them, It is not, not those who are well who need a physician, but those who are sick. I have not call, come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. Okay, so this is a story here of Jesus calling one of his disciples. Um, his name was first Levi. We know him as Matthew. So Jesus is calling his disciple Matthew, who is a tax collector, to come and follow him and to be one of his 12 disciples. But you see, in that time, tax collectors were very despised people. They were people that you did not want to be around. Um, not that tax collectors are any more liked today, but these people were seen as some of the worst people. Um, a few reasons is because they did not just take the, the money that Herod was asking them to take. They, take. they took more money so that they could put it in their own pockets. Okay, And then if you didn't have the money to give that they were asking of you, um, then they would often have violent threats involved. Your household would be on the line. So people were scared of the tax collectors. Uh, because of their job, they also had to interact with the Gentiles, which made them ritually unclean. And so there's multiple layers of why the tax collectors were despised, right? But what does Jesus do? He shows that he cares about these people that culture would say is unacceptable to spend time with, but he cares about them, and he cares about their stories, and he wants to be in relationship with them. I mean, he wanted this guy to be in his inner circle. He cared about Matthew's story. Um, and the Pharisees, we see their response here, and they're like, Jesus, what are you doing? Don't you know that this is going to ruin your reputation? Don't you know what this looks like? Like, Jesus doesn't care because he cares about their stories. What is his response? It says, It is not those who are well who need a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. So Jesus did not come for the people like the Pharisees who thought they had it all figured out and thought they had their lives all together. Jesus came for the sick the people who were willing to admit that they needed a savior, that they needed a doctor to heal their sickness, right? And that's all of us in this room here. If we proclaim that we are followers of Jesus, that we need him to be our Lord and savior, and then we're saying we're sick and we need a savior, okay? But then Jesus is saying that we now need to go out and also find the sick who have not accepted that gift yet. Um, so that's what we're talking about tonight. Okay, and then our next story is going to be in John 4. I'm going to have Aaron read that one for me. Oh, he needs a mic. It's kind of long, and he's a much better reader than I am. <laughs> Look, I said something nice about him. Y'all say I always say mean things about my husband, and there you go. Hello? Okay. All right. 
The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. When the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and came back once more to Galilee. Now he had, gone, now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would give you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and herds? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will, be, will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right. When you say you have no husband, the fact is you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that this place, that the place where you must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are kind, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. <laughs> oh, wait, I hear it. We're back. Okay, great. Thank you, Aaron. Great job. Um, so, again, another situation where Jesus interacts with someone who culture um, and the Jewish society would say is a no-no to interact with. So a few levels here of that is, one, she was a woman. Okay, so women were not seen very highly. They were not worth men's time. They shouldn't um, be interacting with a woman that they're not married to. Okay, so he goes and he spends time with a woman. That's a big deal. And then second, we see that she's a Samaritan woman. And Samaritans were not um, liked by the Jews. They hated the Samaritans. They didn't want anything to do with them. Uh, so again, this is a big deal. And then lastly, we learn a little bit about her story that she had gotten around, right? She had had five husbands, and now she was living with a guy that she wasn't even 
married to. And so this would be a scandal in itself that Jesus would associate someone that could ruin his and taint his reputation in that way. Because people could start to spread rumors about him for being around a woman like that, right? So this is a big deal that Jesus is saying, man, I don't care what culture says about this woman. I value her as my daughter, and I'm going to show that I care about her story, and I want her to experience the glory of God, the glory of my Father in heaven, and so I'm going to spend time, and I'm going to talk to her and invest in her. And y'all, Jesus, it was, it was no accident that he came to the well at this time of the day. Because you see, this woman, she knew she was a sinner. She knew she was making decisions that she shouldn't be making, because All the women would normally come to the well early in the morning before it got hot. But she is choosing to come to the well in the middle of the day, the hottest time of the day. Like it would be like choosing to mow your lawn in the middle of the summer in Texas, in the middle of the day, like at noon, right? That's crazy. But she was willing to do that because she didn't want to have to deal with the shame of interacting with the other women and hearing them whisper about the choices that she was making, right? So Jesus chose to come to the well at this time to meet this woman right where she was at. Jesus didn't care about what culture said. He cared about building relationships with the lost. Um, So I want us to notice something about both these stories, something both these stories have in common. Both the people that Jesus interacts with here are described by these categories. Right? They're labeled by these negative categories. Um, Hugh Halter, the author of this book called Flesh, which is all about living incarnationally, living like Jesus did, he says this, In Jesus' day, people were all lumped up into categories and given names. Ninevites, Samaritans, heathens, lepers, Gentiles. As people always have, we use words like Democrat, Republican, right-wing, left-wing, homosexual, Southern Baptist, charismatic, unchurched, sinner, non-Christian, or unbeliever. We could go on forever to place people in boxes whereby we can judge the totality of who they are and what they can become. Okay, so in our stories tonight, what what are some of the categories we just talked about that we see these people placed in? Samaritans, yes, that's one. Tax collectors, sinners. Okay, so these labels are put on them because the Jews don't think that they, like, that, they think that's it. That's end game for them. That's, that's their, the life that they've been given. That's what the hand they've been dealt. And they're not, they're not jo- Jesus' chosen people. They're, they're not worth their time. But Jesus is saying, no, I'm going to choose to show I care about those people. Halter goes on to say, people are not pagans to be converted, projects to be preached at, or demographics to be reprogrammed. Humans should never be generalized, categorized, dismissed, or judged, or underestimated. Every person is a story, rich with history and experiences creative potential, strengths and weaknesses, clarity and blindness. And then a little further down, he says, 
Jesus reads the files of sinners he walks along. He respected people's unbelief. When speaking of people who were not yet his followers, he called them friends, blind, prisoners, lame, or lost sheep. So there's countless stories throughout the Gospels that show us that Jesus is not just writing off these people by the lives that they're living, but by the label that they've been given. He wants to be in relationship with them to help them, help them see the hope and the glory of God. And so Jesus is also setting an example for us that we are supposed to care about those people, that we are supposed to care about the people who have not yet experienced the glory of God, and that knowing that they each have an individual story. There's a reason why they're living the life they're living, why they're making the decisions they're making. We should care about where they're at and meet them where they're at. We cannot just be okay with hanging out in our own safe Christian bubbles. We have to go beyond that, be willing to love people outside of our comfort zones. We're missing out on part of our call if we only hang out with people that look like us, that think like us, that believe things like us. So our first question for us to discuss tonight is how are you finding ways to spend time with and listen to the stories of people outside of the church or outside of your comfort zone? Or maybe how can you get better at doing this? So y'all talk about it at your tables. All right. What what'd y'all talk about? Where did Grace go? She... Oh, there she is. Can you can you get that mic from here? Okay. Um, so I, at first I was talking. So I met this group of people when I went out dancing at Wild one night, and I instantly clicked with them. Like they like were amazing. They were just like how I was. And it was around the time I was getting baptized, and they were asking me, they were like, <laughs> they were asking me, what was I doing this weekend? And I said, oh, I'm getting baptized. And they were all like, have you not been baptized? So I was like, I was baptized. So I like explained like my story. I'm not going to bore y'all with that story. <laughs> and um, they were all like, wow, we would have never guessed that about you because like you don't talk about it. And I'm like, my faith is something I struggled with most of my life. And then now that I'm finally starting to reopen that door, it was so easy to talk about. And then they all started talking about their faith mm-hmm. and like their struggles. And it was great to listen because some of them had the same struggles that I did. And then some of them didn't have struggles at all. And they've always been like grown up in the church. So it was great to just sit down and have that conversation. And I've only had known them for like a few months and it was just amazing because they're guys, like all, they were all guys. And I was like expecting them to like not open up whatsoever because no offense, guys, <laughs> y'all are very closed minded sometimes. Like y'all don't <laughs> like to open up. And that's what I expected. I'm again, I'm really sorry. Um, <laughs> not those people, pe- people in a box. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> well, that's like, that's what I was thinking. Like I didn't expect them to open up and they did. And it was just amazing. And then we bring <laughs> And we bring it up to this day, and, like, we, like, talk, like, all the time, because I see him all the time, and we always talk about it, and it's just, it's amazing, because 
they like always ask or like how are you doing with like your journey and everything because you go to church every Wednesday they always ask me these questions and then I ask them too and it's just it's really cool because like you never know if someone has had the same struggles as you yeah. or not especially like in like your faith and whatnot because yeah. you didn't talk to them so yeah yeah share, opening up and sharing your own story and where you found hope in Jesus is a really really good place to start and it allows people to connect with you and yeah it's awesome power in sharing how you've been transformed. Anyone else want to share? So we talked about um, ways to be better at, you know, um, listening and doing that. We talked about, like, how we create spaces you know, in times, set times and schedules to, you know, get in the word of God, like church or like camps or, you know, different things. But we never really talk about making it a part of our day-to-day lives. And so trying to make it a part of your day-to-day where you're telling people, you know, God bless you or like praying for people as they walk by, the kind of thing. Um, Making that a part of, you know, every second of every day. And then whenever you see someone that you see a lot, sometimes, like Dalton was saying, he says, hi, you know, hi. Like you say hi a thousand times to someone, they're like, why is he so friendly? Why is he saying hi to me every day? Yeah. You know, um, and that creates those opportunities for you to listen and share your story and listen to their story and that kind of thing. So just making it a part, trying your best to make it a part of uh, your day-to-day. Yeah. And a lot of that, I think Jesus teaches us that we can't be in a, like a really rushed fast-paced lifestyle because then we're going to miss opportunities to slow down enough to notice the people in our lives and notice, yeah, I see that person every Monday when I walk to class. Maybe I should care to get to know them a little bit more. That's good. Hello. Okay. Um, So we, I was talking a little bit about how, like, how do, when you, how do you get better at talking to people outside of the church and a good thing we talked about on Sunday where we I was in this meeting is you know normally when you first meet someone you can't expect them to share their deepest secrets you know or why they don't know God or why like they were hurt by God um so a good thing is to like to remember like getting to know someone truly loving them like showing them love of Christ whether that's like hanging out with them getting coffee with them if you're a guy I don't know like sports or something <laughs> I don't know what you guys do besides sports <laughs> stuff like that <laughs> getting to know God, <laughs> not the stereotype, <laughs> but it's important to um, really love on people before you say like, here, this is this Jesus guy. I don't know if you, who, if you know who he is, but like, let me tell you why he loves you and, you know, get really deep, really, really fast. I mean, sometimes people are good at that, but um, just, you know, trusting them and loving them, allowing them to trust you back so that they can open up. The first time you meet, too, it it doesn't mean you have to share the whole gospel with them. I mean, maybe the Spirit's leading you to that, and it makes sense in that relationship. Or maybe it's just walking with them in in life and getting to know them a little better. David? Uh, Here's some boys I want to share. That's about uh, before the fighting the way and before the listen to hear people. We must keep inside of us first. We must be good human first, but happiness first. If you know happiness, you don't want to hear anything from anybody. If you're not a good human, you're not 
the hurtless, you can hear down somebody else. So, and one of the one of the factors to become a good human is the empathy. Now, I, I mentioned about a little bit about the Jesus when Jesus be with the tax collector, be with the sinner, because Jesus have him empathy. So, if we don't have empathy, the forget, forgiveness will never happen. The lie only value happens in the darkness. So, and and about if we don't love the other people, how do they love you back? So, and um, nature of human to give away and receive. If you do, nature of human is give away and receive. If you are on a certain of the happiness, you just get away. So, when, when you are so happy, so much happiness, when you hear some struggle, you really want to help them because you are on a certain of the happiness. And the last thing, like, the happiness is to give it away. So that's all. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, when we are secure in our identity with the Lord, it, we experience so much joy, and that stands out to people. Sure. Anyone else? Okay, so a few things I was just thinking of um, as I was thinking of what it looks like to find ways to spend time with people outside of the church or outside of our comfort zones is um, one, one really good example I could think of is Young Life. And I know we have a lot of Young Life leaders specifically at this table, um, but that's a ministry where you give up your time. And in a lot of ways, you give up your opportunities to be a UMHB crusader or um, what is Temple College? What's their, the leopards, a Temple College leopard. Um, and choose to be a Belton wildcat or a temple or temple wildcat and a Belton tiger. I'm sorry, mess it up. Okay, there's a lot of a lot of things to remember there. Anyways, it's a sacrifice, and you're going outside of your comfort zone, and you're choosing to not be selfish with your time as a college student and spend time with high schoolers. And a lot of those high schoolers didn't grow up in the church and um, haven't gotten to experience the love of Jesus, and so. Props to our Young Life leaders, and um, I just think that that's a really cool example. And if you want to do Young Life, talk to Jill and Ashley, and they'll tell you about it. (laughs) Um, But I know that this can be really challenging sometimes to think about. Like, we're in the Bible Belt of Texas, right? And a lot of people we're around claim to be followers of Jesus. Um, So it can feel like, who around me isn't following Jesus? But I promise that they're out there. They're at UMHB. They're at Temple College. They're living next door to you. They're at the grocery store. If you just slow down enough to get to know the stories of people around you, there's people who do need the hope of Jesus um, brought into their life. And so I, I just encourage you that no matter where you're at, there are people around you, whether you, whether you realize it or not. And I know sometimes it can be discouraging too. Like, I mean, I work at a church. Like, how am I supposed to find people who don't know Jesus? Because people are just coming here that want to experience Jesus, right? But um, I've lately really felt convicted that I need to get to know my neighbors. We live in Turtle Creek, and there's a lot of people around us who I know um, don't have a church home or um, are lonely. And so thinking about just really intentional but simple ways to put yourself outside of your comfort zone. Um, So... With that, though, I I want us to um, think about the fact that, yes, we are called to look like Jesus, and we are called to pursue people that are marginalized, people that are lost, people that need the hope of Jesus, but we also have to remember 
that we aren't Jesus and that we can fall into temptation. Um, and so when we live into this call to eat with sinners, to spend time with sinners like Jesus did, um, first of all, I want to say there that um, when I say sinners, I'm not saying that we're not all sinners because we are all sinners. We all are sinners. And like I said, we're all sick and in need of a savior. But what I'm saying there is the, the, we have accepted the gift of grace. Um, we've accepted that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and going out and loving people who haven't accepted that gift. Okay, let's see the difference there. I'm not saying that we're not sinners. Um, but when we live into that call, we have to know our limits and our weaknesses. Okay, we have to know our limits and our weaknesses. I mean, if you've heard um, the, the saying, you become who you hang out around, you become who you're around, that, that often is true. Um, when you spend time with people, you can become like those people. And so when we are being intentional about loving the lost, we have to realize where our weaknesses are um, and make sure that we have strong people around us. We need those soul friends around us who are willing to say, hey, I think, I think you've gotten distracted or I think you're changing um, because we, we shouldn't be afraid to hang out with people different than us, right? But we need people around us who are going to keep us grounded in our identity in the Lord um, speaking from personal experience, uh, when I was at UMHB, um, I was on the volleyball team and a lot of my teammates, they were all really awesome girls, but a lot of them just weren't interested in the, going to church and in, um, that the church world. And, uh, so I, my sophomore year of college, I decided, man, this is a really op- cool opportunity to get to be a light to them and to get to share the hope that I found in Jesus with them. And so I need to be like Jesus and meet them where they're at and where they're at is at parties. And so I was like, Jesus went to parties so I can go to parties and I'm going to go and be a light in that area. Right. I had really, really good intentions. Um, but very, very quickly, my life looked no different than the rest of my teammates. Um, I quickly fell into temptation. Um, I was drinking way too much. I cared way too much about what other people thought of me. I liked the attention that I was getting from boys. Um, so the, my focus shifted. I had good intentions to go be a light. And then I fell into temptation. Um, and then so we can learn a few things from my mistakes here. One is that um, we have, like I said, we have to know our limits and our boundaries. And don't put yourself in situations that are going to set you up for failure. Like know where you are tempted and don't put yourself in situations that are going to set you up for failure. Um, and don't use Jesus as an excuse uh, to justify your sinful behaviors because I continued to use that as an excuse. Like, Jesus went to parties, so can I. Well, Jesus um, was perfect, and I am not. Um, so I also think that Jesus was, had a sense of humor here and was trying to teach me something that even though I 
thought I had good intentions. I, I think I was coming out of a place of pride in a lot of ways and thinking that I was better than my teammates. Um, but y'all, I needed grace just as much as they needed grace. I am just as much as a, as a sinner as they are. And God wanted to humble me and say, look, look how fast you can fall away from me. Um, and so when we go into um, relationships, we have to go in with humility and not think that we're we're better or holier than thou. Um, so my next question that I want us to talk about is when you are hanging out with someone outside of the church or in general, are they being transformed or are you being transformed? Are they being transformed or are you being transformed? And then a follow-up question with that is what do you need to change in your life to be a transformer instead of a follower? Ready to discuss. All right. What do y'all got? Who wants to share? Anyone? Oh, you want anyone want to share? I said, so what do, you, what do y'all have? What did y'all talk about? Hello? Yes, because people listen to it later. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Um, we talked about how it'll depend on the day, honestly, like whether we're transformers or being transformed. And a lot of that takes place in the workplace. Um, a lot of us work with people that are not believers or mm-hmm. we're like one of few. And we miss a lot of opportunities to share the good news because we fall into like their habits if we're all around them all the time. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So. It's so easy to fall into gossip or just having a negative attitude. Yeah. I want to like piggyback off that. Go for it, Ashley. <laughs> Something. Um, I'm Ashley. And um, for the second question to how to be a transformer towards people, we talked about starting your day off just right, you know, I used to be just, um, not listen to the best music going to work. And that would like start my mood, how Mm -hmm. I would react to people and face just daily tasks. But it took me a while to get out of that habit of, um, just listening to fulfilling music in the morning. Um, that's just a little example, but we talked about being intentional um, with your morning so that you can start your day off right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it week one in the series that it's so important to be secure in our identity in the Lord before we go out and have healthy relationships. So, yeah, super important how we start our day. Hello, again. Um, so I kind of have, like, a similar story that, like, Sydney shared. Um, my freshman year... Um, I was I moved into one of the dorms with some people and I didn't know anything about them. Um, but shortly, like I found out, like they weren't believers or like they questioned faith and everything. So I was like, cool, this is my chance. Maybe I can plan a C. This would be great. But you know, as I got to know them, I realized like they loved going out every single weekend and drinking until they couldn't, you know, 
function and whatnot. And so at first I was like, okay, like, you know, we'll just talk about it from time to time. Like whenever they have a Jesus question, I'll try and answer um, or just bring it up myself. Um, and then I started going out with them because what I said in my last answer, you know, you have to trust people. And I was like, okay, so like maybe I can go into their atmospheres. They see that like I'm doing what they're doing. They'll trust me. And it's okay because when we're not at parties, I'm answering their questions about <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Um, but slowly, you know, I realized like, yeah, no, that's, that wasn't showing, I wasn't glorifying God. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, what you're doing, uh, are you really glorifying God? And then, uh, for the second question, like transformer versus follower, um, there are different ways to transform people. Um, some people are introverts, you know, so they don't necessarily want to put themselves in a gigantic social situation where they can be like, do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? Like, or can I be your friend? <laughs> right. And so like a good example of ways to, um, do that if you don't necessarily want to be in a giant social situation, for example, is like serving in a situation where like you're outside and, you know, you're talking to people in the community while you're doing some project. Certain things like that. Vista has like great examples, or there's other churches around the community that you can get involved and find out. But that's just like little five minute conversations, you know, with people that may not know who Christ is, and therefore like you're trying to transform people in like a glorified way. So that's good. Love it. Okay, to piggyback off of what Abby's saying, like, I'm an extrovert, and I like to talk. Um, and, um, <laughs> sorry, with, like, it doesn't even have to, like, like be, like, hold on. So, like, with me, my sister, and her softball team, I went, and I was, like, talking with them, and they were all talking about, like, Christ and everything, because most of her teammates are Christian or Catholic, and they were having, like, all these questions, and they were like, Sophia, you go to UMHB, you go to church every Wednesday and Sunday, you can answer these questions, and I looked at them, and I was like, I can, I can do it to the best of my ability, and, like, they were asking me these questions, and, like I said, I answered them to the best of my ability, and I was like, like they like I saw that I transformed them in some way because they learned something new because like I was in that position when I came to Vespers and when I went to UMHB and I was transformed so it was great to see that even if it's these high school girls who are probably gonna forget about it knowing them that I transformed them even for just a little bit because of the knowledge that I learned from you and from um, like our people at UMHB when they talk. So, I mean, that's like how I think you could transform someone is just by sitting down, talking to them, whether like if they ask you or if you just like bring it up in a conversation, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I love that, that you weren't afraid to sit down because they could ask you things that you don't know the answer to. Um, but just being willing to sit and talk with them, and it's okay to not know the answer uh, to everything. Um, yeah. David? Hi. Uh, for me, like, in the community, everybody have their own frame of reference. Frame of reference is, like, what you believe, what your idea, what your opinion. So before we hang out with the people outside of church or unbelievers, we need to consider about the uh, how relationship between you with God. If you know know God, understand God, or believe God, 
if you on the level no, we can know and believe it's totally different. So if you're not careful in the uh, hang out with the people unbeliever, you really like like go with them. I mean, if you don't have a strong enough about your faith and about relationship with God. So and and for me, uh, I just be myself with the people like who unbeliever, like just be follow like be a light in the in the bad person. So. And I, for me, I will never tell the people do what I want people do for me because if I tell them what they do, they just do what I want they what I want they do for me, not just from not from their heart because I want to them do what they want be from their heart. That's the important thing. So and so and the point of the respect together. So do what you do, be yourself. And if any conflict happen between us. We gonna get through together more. We more get through conflict. The level relationship we going up more. So in the marriage or in the relationship in the community, the conflict will will actually happen. But we get through it, the more relationship we we going up. So I I mean for me don't I don't tell anyway do what me what I want them to do for me. I yeah. just tell them what they want they do because when they do for me, I just see them through me. I not see them from their heart. Yeah. Right, thank you. That's good. I love how you said to just be yourself. Um, you don't have to go into any type of relationships trying to, to fake that you have your life all together or you know all the answers like we talked about. Just go in and be yourself. Don't be a weird Christian. Like, be a normal person. <laughs> Anyone else? Monica? Okay, so... Um, I think something that's really like overlooked in transformation within a person is like how much time it takes and how much patience it requires. And Sydney and I are studying this book called Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. So good if you haven't read it, recommend 10 out of 10. But um, a quote in there says that love and hurry are incompatible. And I think to want to see someone transform is to love them completely and fully well for who they are. And so you have to be patient with that process because loving them takes time. And so just being willing to be patient and just sit with them and love them during that whole process is super important. Yeah. Yeah. Especially like what, what that quote is that I read from flesh too. People have experiences um, and they, they're where they're at for a reason. And so you, sometimes it's going to be a really slow process and you can't expect immediate transformation and you have to trust that God's working in his timing um, and you can't microwave the experience. Yeah. yeah. Anyone else? Okay, so my challenge for you um, this week is to find someone to spend time with outside of your comfort zone and sit down and listen to their story. Just be a good listener. Listen to where they're at, where they're coming from, how they got to where they're at, um, what what makes them tick, what what are they, what are they passionate about. Uh, just spend time getting to know someone outside of your comfort zone. Um, and then I want you to think about, you know, am I someone who just quickly becomes like the people I'm around or am I secure in my identity in the Lord uh, and I, do I have people around me? Do I have soul friends, like we talked about a few weeks ago, who are willing to call me out when I'm starting to change who I am? Um, 
So those are the two things I want to leave you all with. Think about this week. I'm going to pray for us, then give us a few announcements. And then if you want to stay and do prayer requests with your table, you can, or you're, you're good to go. God, I am so thankful that you show us grace over and over again, even when we don't deserve it. Um, and that you sent your son to die on the cross for our sins and to give us hope and new life. And that you gave him as an example for us to be bold in sharing that love that you've poured out on us that we don't deserve. So God, I pray for each and every one of us in this room that we would get outside of our comfort zones um, and be willing to share that love and live a life at a slow enough speed to listen to when your spirit is calling us uh, to spend time with someone, to listen to their story, to ask how they're doing, or to just say hi with a smile on our face. God, we trust you. Um, Use us to plant seeds in people's lives. God, I pray that we would just accept that we are your sons and daughters and be secure in that and that we don't have to be anything else. We love you and it's in your name. Amen.